This is Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. Our taping is made possible with the support of Raider, a hands-on IT service provider that integrates all of your needs for advanced technical support, effective communication options, and cybersecurity. Raider's motto is, you just want it to work. We understand. Please visit RaiderSolutions.com for more information. The generosity of Oxner Lafayette General also makes this podcast possible. As Acadiana's largest nonprofit regional health system with more than 4,500 employees, Oxner Lafayette General strives to prove that caring is their top priority. In continuous efforts to reach more patients, Oxner Lafayette General facilitates telemedicine services to schools, businesses, and government offices to make health care more accessible for everyone. For more information, please visit OxnerLG.org. Our guest is Lindsay Smythe, school leader and founder of Ecole St. Landry in Sunset. Lindsay is a bilingual educator with 17 years of experience in education at the elementary, high school, and university levels. She received a master's in education from LSU and trained and taught in French at University St. Anne in Nova Scotia for seven years. Lindsay earned her certification in education leadership from the University of Holy Cross in New Orleans. She was named the 2016 Lafayette Parish Teacher of the Year and also nominated as the Louisiana Foreign Language Teachers Association Teacher of the Year. We're here today to discuss the mission of Ecole St. Landry and the current registration drive underway for the upcoming school year. Lindsay, welcome to Discover Lafayette. Thanks so much. This is um, an honor to be, to be here, honestly. Well, I feel the same. Uh, we met, I'm not sure where exactly yeah. we met, but I know Leadership Lafayette brought us a together. Role in it. And it was through your advocacy for education for right. all children that they all get the best. Absolutely. That made you stand out <laughs> in my mind. So um, I know right now your your big passion is growing a coal St. Landry. Right. I mean, and and this has really been a passion project, which I'm sure we'll get into a lot. But uh, for the last four years, establishing the school, getting it off the ground. And, and now that it's kind of here, really, it's all about like how many more families can we reach? Uh, wow. How many more public school families, or as I often say, how many more private school families can I convince that public school education is actually for them as well, Um, which is something really, really important to me to make our public schools the best Mm -hmm. that they can be. What led you to a career in education? Um, I want to say in some ways it found me, but really uh, from as far back as I can remember, past of horse seven when I wanted to be, um, you know, some type of anthropologist or archaeologist. (laughs) I'm still obsessed with dinosaurs. Um, (laughs) But uh, in high school, I wanted to be a teacher. My mom's a teacher. I come from a family of a few teachers, and I always really thought that that was something I'd want to do. I was really, really um, taken by um, literature. And, uh, even though kind of all the subjects I liked, it was really that kind of English language kind of thing that I loved, but all of my high school teachers told me I was too smart to be a teacher and I needed to do something uh, else, which of course we can, um, talk about as well. That is, yeah. is, is honestly like the last thing that, um, I would ever tell a child that wanted to go into education. If they, mm-hmm. if someone tells me now they want to go, I'll tell them, of course, the, the pluses and the minuses, but I will always encourage them because we need good people in the classroom and you have to want to do it uh, first and everything else kind of falls into place or doesn't. Um, right, but to discourage a young right. person. Uh, and, and these were really good teachers. I mean, people who mm-hmm. I looked up to and I thought, man, if I could be a teacher like you, you're the reason that I want to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my grandfather, father was a veterinarian. Um, and I thought, well, maybe I'll be a veterinarian. And so my undergrad is in animal science. And then, um, I just couldn't shake it that I wanted to be a teacher all Mm -hmm. the way through, through undergrad. So I got my, my bachelor's degree and immediately, uh, got my master's in education. And, uh, and really I've never turned around since, um, well, we're all lucky that you did. (laughs) And it's poignant as I was listening to you, I've had other teaching professionals tell me, you know, when they were coming up, and even the younger ones, that back in the day, let's say back in the 50s and 60s, 70s, 
women that could have been maybe a rocket scientist, they went into either nursing or, or teaching, teaching or administrative work because those were the avenues more readily open. Absolutely. And as women's lib and other things <laughs> took place, those women did not choose the teaching uh, profession. I mean, some did. Of course. Like we've seen right. a real um, turnaround. And now more than ever, we do need good teachers. And I think that, I mean, I've read there's a teaching, like education students, there's a shortage of young people that are going into education. Absolutely. Uh, Nationwide, um, we, of course, have a teacher shortage. Uh, I will often compare my experience here in Louisiana with, um, I taught in Nova Scotia, not only, Mm -hmm. uh, um, I teach some in the summers uh, at a university, but um, there was a time, uh, it was just for one year that I taught in the public school system there. And just to see the difference of uh, the way that um, teachers are revered or the way they're paid, just seeing kind of like the comparison of what happens to us here. And again, Mm -hmm. I can only compare it to Louisiana and one province in Canada, but it's pretty much nationwide in both of their cases. In our, in Louisiana, of course, you know, pay is abysmal. Um, I, I often tell people that anybody will put up with a whole lot for a decent amount of salary. Um, I can't imagine that a lawyer's life is easy. I can't imagine that nurses have right. an easy time. Uh, doctors, everybody has high stress jobs. Mm-hmm. But the thing about those are those are professionals and professional degrees, and yet they're being paid for all the heartache and the headache and the yeah. red tape. And yet we're trying to convince people to come into education mm-hmm. without really any any carrot to dangle, except people saying you would stay and you would do it for the children, which of course, that's why we're still in it. Those of us that are still sticking around. Um, I didn't realize it was so different in Canada. Yeah. So, um, for example, like the social uh, network, yeah, I would say that they put more focus on teachers Mm -hmm. and more uh, on education. Um, one thing that really surprised me to find out is that the average, uh, wait time to get your own classroom, meaning a full-time job, at least in the maritime, in, Nova, uh, in Canada is five years. Oh my gosh. If you have to do what they call long-term substitute teaching or you have to be on what they call the supply list. To and earn so your To earn your stripes. Mm-hmm. And uh, unless you speak French, which French immersion is such a high demand, you could probably get a job almost immediately. But if you're just a regular English speaker, um, mm-hmm. there are so many people that want to be teachers And I will tell you, they have stronger unions, which of course unions can be another conversation for another day. Uh, But they really fight for the teachers and they say, we're not gonna let you do this, this, and this to these these teachers. They earn the right to to have a a safe working place or having students who aren't threatening to give them harm and all those other things. Um, I don't want to get off track, but this is really fascinating. Oh, yeah, and if I, I can ask one sure, question please. in Canada, um, are more of the kids in public mm-hmm. school and do more of the kids, you think, finish college? I would say, no, I couldn't I couldn't honestly tell you about college mm-hmm. um, percentages, just because that's something I don't know offhand. But I will say that there are far fewer private schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I often talk about is if, if we did, in fact, have all of our private school kids in public schools, I think that people would stop talking about public schools like they talk about public schools. Um, oh, because, I agree totally, because most of us don't really know. <laughs> right. I, I have volunteered volunteered in the public schools, but both my girls went to private school. And if I hadn't followed the path I did, I never would have known, I mean, about the deplorable condition of the facilities, the, um, the inequities. Absolutely. In the schools, sure. you know, depending on where your kid goes to and, school. And people, those those of us that are really insulated. trying, absolutely, and those, mm-hmm. of, those of us that are trying, we're doing our best to, to, to fix those things. Mm-hmm. But when... You know, you talk about like where was where did this particular funding come from, or you know, where's all the uh, where's all the money that they promised from the riverboats, and where's all the <laughs> gambling, know, yeah. yeah, or or how are we spending our funds the best? And then, of course, when things happen, like I know uh, Lafayette Parish tried to uh, get some money to rebuild Lafayette High, to rebuild some of our schools that needed to be mm-hmm. rebuilding. The problem is, is they had said that before. And again, I was not a voter. I'm only talking about what people say. Uh, I wasn't here at the time. Um, but they said, oh, well, back then they didn't do what they said they were going to do. So, so we're never going to vote again. Yeah. Um, that St. was a tough election. Right. <laughs> yeah, and sad. in St. Landry Parish, where I am, we have such a high private school enrollment that when you try to ask for public school dollars, 
Mm-hmm. You know, people, I'm not saying all, but many people say, well, that doesn't affect me. That's not my kid. Mm-hmm. But every well-educated child is a well-educated child. It doesn't quite matter where they got educated. Right. And so uh, if it takes a village, then the entire village needs to be willing to mm-hmm. say, like, I understand that I have the means to send my child to private school, but I would also like the kid next door or across the tracks or wherever he or she may live to also have that opportunity. Well, it lifts the whole community. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's just the right thing to do. Right, right. It doesn't matter if it lifts anyone else. It's the right thing to sure. give each child that head right. start. So you didn't even start out um, speaking French. No. So here you are, the <laughs> spokesperson for French Immersion. And if you can talk about that journey, what led you to that? Right. So um, it, this could be fairly long, but the short of <laughs> good thing we have time. Uh, the short of it is is that uh, I was at my old high school after I graduated LSU. I went back to my hometown and I taught there for six years, which was uh, Grand Lake. Um, I grew up in Big Lake in Cameron Parish, and then pretty much mm-hmm. there's only four schools, especially after Hurricane Rita. There's only four schools, but Grand Lake is the largest community. And uh, so I went back and I taught English and I was coaching three sports and. I taught speech and journalism and was really loving my life, but I decided I wanted to get a doctorate in English um, because it just made sense to me. I love to learn, and I thought, mm-hmm. well, I might as well have uh, the highest degree that someone in my shoes can have. I might as well be the best that I can be as, as a teacher. And so I went ahead and I got, uh, I started working on my doctorate. But you had to be fluent in a foreign language before oh, you graduated. Yeah. And knowing what I Darn know, it. yeah, right. <laughs> and knowing what I know, living in Louisiana, I knew that there were French immersion schools. Mm-hmm. Um, just laughably, I assumed there were French immersion universities. And I will tell you, there's exactly one in the world that I'm aware of, and it just happens to be in Nova Scotia. And so I Googled French immersion universities, and this one school, mm-hmm. Université Saint-Anne, popped up. And um, I looked and I noticed that they had regular semesterized courses. You could go there, and you could, you could get your doctorate. You could, it, well, in, in this case, I just needed to learn French. I knew Quickly. that there was no mm-hmm. way that I would learn a foreign language taking a semester at a time. Right. I knew enough about, about learning languages, even mm-hmm. though it wasn't even what I knew about. And I thought, well, I'll just go over there and I'll like, you know, I'll like learn French and I'll come home and I'll get this doctorate. But that's a well-known school. Louis it's, Michaud yes, and others yes, have gone so there many. for the same reason to I'm just telling learn you, it quickly. I didn't know a soul who had ever been there. And in fact, when I got up there, the director was uh, was very much like, oh, well, you must know this person and this person and this person. And I told him, I don't know anyone that speaks French, actually. And so, of course, learning French, I was able to to meet a ton of mm-hmm. people. So moved up there, and in one year, I did every single level. I started in what they call debutant, un, beginner one. Um, my teacher often laughs that I was negative uh, level mm-hmm. one because he said, I've never taught anybody that knew you know less French than... Thanks than, a lot. <laughs> but the thing is, is you know, Canadians, they have have to take French from grade four to grade 10. It's required by law um, in nearly every province. And here you might get lucky if you had a code of field teacher in elementary school mm-hmm. and if your high school, which mine did not, offers high school French. So I just really didn't know a ton. And I just was enamored. I was also- beautiful. And I was also in uh, a beautiful, beautiful area mm-hmm. um, where the University of Saint-Anne is, is where, um, is where essentially the- the Acadians mm-hmm. were deported from. Um, it really is beautiful. And oh, it's it's amazing. And there's a reason I cre- try to go back and teach every summer. It's because you just can't get a better place with more warm people. It's really like if they would have just plopped us somewhere else, or in this case, they actually did, right? right. Um, but the uh, if you think about the like, most beautiful festival weekend, that's the entire summer. So the weather, <laughs> the is, weather is amazing. Now the winters are cold, yeah. but uh, it's just a really, really lovely place to be. And I just fell in love with it. And I mm-hmm. stayed, ended up staying for two years. And then I came home and I immediately got certified in French. And uh, when I moved to Lafayette, for my doctorate, which I have not finished, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I'm about halfway through my coursework, but it's been like six years since I've taken a class because I decided to open a school. And I'm just going um, back looking at my notes. I didn't get that wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. I did begin, like I said, I did begin to work on it. And then uh, you moved to Lafayette. Time, no. Right. And that's what I said. Well, I had two options. I could have either done one or the other. And I just mm-hmm. chose, chose this way. But yeah. Life so. just has its own way of... Um, carrying you along. It really does. And because you were single through all that, I was. And, uh, now I was single through the first like couple years I was in Lafayette, but I did get married in 2016. Mm -hmm. 
Ooh, that was, was it a big year. Was for it sixteen you? or fifteen? Sorry, Adam. Do you say? Um, but uh, you met him here. Yes, he's he's a French speaker. He teaches French at um, Paul Bro. And, okay. Uh, and you were teaching at and Lafayette I was teaching High. Lafayette High. We kind of met through mutual friends. But basically, the reason that I like my circle is because of French. The people I hang out with, nearly all of them know French, or I know them through some cultural aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, my circle, and then it wasn't really until Leadership Lafayette that I started meeting people that weren't that way. Uh, but before then it was just, I know this person, this person is my friend because right. of French, because of Saint-Anne, because of, mm-hmm. I met them at this. One of my close friends is Madame Cindy Berry. Oh yes. She taught at Lafayette <laughs> High for decades. She subbed for me many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did an exchange trip uh, between Lafayette High and a uh, high school in Paris, um, that I hope will continue now that I'm gone from Lafayette High. But basically we would take, uh, Kids from Lafayette High, they'd stay with kids in Paris. They'd go to mm-hmm. school with them every day for two weeks and then vice versa. Those kids would stay with their same host brother and sister. They'd come to Lafayette for Mardi Gras. They'd lose their mind about mm-hmm. how crazy this place is. Uh, but every single time I went, Madame Berry was my sub. She's wonderful. <laughs> and so it was so lovely to have mm-hmm. someone who so speaks French that's so experienced. With and, the kids, huh? And, she, and you know, if you like teaching high school and if you choose uh, high school to be your you know, to be your safe space as a teacher, you really never stop loving high school kids. They're just so much fun. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I will tell you, that's one of the things I miss the most uh, mm-hmm. besides just teaching is just that energy of just the funniest, dorkiest, weirdest kids that you can experience that make make you laugh all day long. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's really wonderful. Well, before we jump into your current venture with Nicole St. Landry, I had a question for you. You know, I grew up in Louisiana and a lot of my family spoke French. Mm-hmm. I never became fluent, but I, I understood. What a area lot. did you grow up? Well, I grew up in Baton Rouge, okay. but my um, my dad's side and my my mother's side. My grandmother was from Canada, mm-hmm. and then uh, she she spoke mainly just really French. She didn't mm-hmm. speak much English ever. Right. But then my dad's family was from Vacherie and outside of. Um, the Baton Rouge area, but they ended up in Baton Rouge, and they all spoke French. Sure. So they would talk as little kids. We knew when they were getting into something because <laughs> they would switch to, to French. Sure. But I always thought that French was our main language here just because of Louisiana's heritage. And I was surprised over the years as my kids you know, grew up that more and more people were taking Spanish. Right. I know that we have a large, much larger Hispanic population, <laughs> but it almost seems like that's more the default Right. For a lot of them to take Spanish. And I know that we have Spanish background too, but French is really right. Louisiana to and, me. Right. And I, I think you that... You can speak on that. I would love to. And I, I think that as the generations um, change, we are seeing that change because there's less of a connection. Mm-hmm. What I hear often in my generation and older is if it wasn't apparent, like for example, my husband, his father's first language is French. He's in his 70s, but... Um, we have kind of that generation mm-hmm. where there's still a few of us in our you know 30s and 40s that their parent was a was a native French mm-hmm. speaker, and then of course the generations older than that you can find them everywhere. But what's his, what's happening is as that becomes less prevalent, or it's like you start to hear, oh my great grandmother spoke French, or my great grandfather. It's just too and removed. It's just the, that connection isn't quite there. And mm-hmm. I will tell you that that's something that we don't struggle in Louisiana because it's still enough. It's almost ingrained in us that mm-hmm. we're just like you said, people know that we uh, historically were a French-speaking area. Um, We even often will call French a heritage language, not a foreign language, obviously not a mother tongue quite anymore. Mm -hmm. But we'll say, yeah, in Louisiana, you know, French is a heritage language. It's part of who we are. It's It's what made us up. It's the reason that we say things in English like, come see and get down. That is all directly from French. It someone, is. yes, someone just simply translated into English once, and now we're the only place in southern Louisiana that Get says down those things. Came from that? Yes. How so do you say that in French? Descendre, like to descend. Okay. Um, and so if you're in a um, a, a chariot. What am I saying? Like a, a wagon. What's the thing? The ho- the buggy. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're in a buggy. The buggy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so let's say you're in like a buggy with your horse, and you of course you need to get lower. You mm-hmm. need to descend from there. Um, and then of course when get cars down. came around, so it's literally you get just like you walk downstairs, mm-hmm. you descend. And I never had heard that in Baton Rouge, but when I moved here. 
just about everybody at the courthouse. I clerked back then. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, everybody there spoke French. Yeah. All the bailiffs, and it was just the way it was. It's just it just it in is the what middle eighties, and now you can see how it's just evolved. It's changing, yeah. and so as someone who, like I said, it's rare for someone to say. Um, I see on a lot of my Facebook groups with other teachers around the United States because you know we're we're a small niche, but there's tens mm-hmm. of thousands of us nationwide, and French teachers will say, "How do I get kids in my program?" Everybody's learning Spanish. How do I get kids interested in French? And we're luckily, we have that default of being Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And so I don't necessarily, I'm not worried about who's enrolling in French, um, but as trying to sell French immersion to parents, one would think, oh, well, you just talk about their generations and their families and how they spoke. Right. But Really, what, how I sell it is I talk about academics. I mm-hmm. mention the thing is probably a lot of your grandparents spoke French or even your parents. And then I immediately go straight into the benefits of a bilingual brain. Um, but and the kids end up graduating from college, right? Like uh, it's, there are a lot of, the track that they're on is yes, a successful so, so, one. So um, at Lafayette High, which I can speak of the most, because there's not a ton of high schools that offer French immersion. Most high schools in Louisiana, if you're lucky, will go through French 4, French 1 as a freshman, and then you know French 2, 3, 4. If you uh, if you finish the eighth grade in French immersion, t- we tend in the state. It really depends on the school, but you at least uh, finish eighth grade with French two credit immediately. Then you start high school That's in great. French three, right? Yeah. And then at Lafayette High, we go through French six. Um, oh. You're going to hear me say "we" for Lafayette High throughout yeah, this entire it's your, conversation. It's part of your heritage. It is. It's, it's who I am as a person. Um, Lafayette High really built me uh, who I am as a as a French educator. Mm-hmm. But um, so uh, we go through French six, and Laura Warner, who is the teacher for the upper level Frenches, those students are getting a certification to if they pass this test. That's called the DELF. Um, they have to get a certain level. And so far, she's had a 100% pass rate since she's been at Lafayette High. Those students with that certificate, they can go to any French-speaking university, and they don't have to take any like remedial language classes. Mm -hmm. They essentially graduate being equal to a native speaker. Now, of course, we all know people who are at UL who are non-native, maybe English speakers, and you say like, oh, well, their English isn't perfect, but obviously they're studying in English. It's the same way. They make mistakes, but their French is good enough to study in French, which Mm -hmm. is really impressive. But you have to have, honestly, 12 years of French to get to that level. And so that's what, of course, we're just starting with the Bebes right now at my school. And then, you know, you build and build and Mm -hmm. then... You know, I look it's forward beautiful. to 12 years from now having, oh, you know, graduating class. you know, one yeah. of my little kids that I just saw speak their first couple words right. 12 years before. Uh, it's going to fly by. Too. It will. It will. But, uh, but yeah. But, so oh, back, back to the French. I definitely think um, we could see some problems down the road, but I think that we're doing what we can now. Mm-hmm. We really, really are. Well, they're lucky to have you. Well, thank a you. spokesperson, <laughs> I can say that. Thanks. Well, before we get into the school and, and um, your first year and what, what it's like and what you look for, um, I'd like to pause and reflect back on an interview we did with Dr. Josh Caffrey, who you said you know. He's <laughs> director of the Center for Louisiana Studies at UL Lafayette. And uh, for those who don't know Dr. Caffrey, you can hear his interview and many others by visiting discoverlafayette.net or by subscribing to our show, wherever you get your podcast. And this moment is made possible by FACET. FACET offers career transition and executive coaching services, and they've done so for 40 years. They work to ensure that your work and personal life are integrated so that you and your family can be happy and you can live out the passion of your life. FACET is there to help you. Visit facetgroup.com for more information. Now let's take a listen to Dr. Josh Caffrey. I guess it was about eight years ago, uh, my predecessor, Michael Martin, and uh, the folks in the College of Liberal Arts and also the administration uh, at UL decided that the, the center needed to move into a more visible location that was more accessible to the public. You know, The mission of the center is really to be a bridge between the university and the public on, on the subject of Louisiana studies in one way or another, Louisiana culture and history. And and um, and the, and so about eight year, years ago, they determined that the Roy House, which is the mm-hmm. the beautiful um, Queen Anne East Lake style home on the corner of Johnson University, would become the home of the center. Yeah. Um, we pass that every day, yeah. most of us, and I, I didn't know anything about it. I know it kind of it's kind of obscured there, there behind yeah. some trees, you know, and it's kind of been a little bit forgotten over the years. But it, you know, it's an interesting building, and it, it's the oldest building on the campus. It was yeah. built in the same year that. Uh, 
that the university was built, that the university opened. Uh, was that 1901? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. That same, same year they started having students. Yeah, the outskirts. Um, that's that right. wasn't even in town, probably. It that's exactly outskirts. right. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, was, uh, it was the countryside. Um, it had been, uh, yeah, essentially a field. You know, a lot of it was owned by the Girard family. Right. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, it was, the, it was the most, one of the most modern houses of uh of of the day ironically you know to now it had running water um, it had running water oh and muni- municipal <laughs> and water electricity, and huh? municipal electricity which yeah, were that was new which were novelties well that's why the um, university's here though because we had electricity sure so yeah. well who was j arthur roy he was a uh, he was a prominent businessman and uh and a landowner uh-huh. um he came from a very prominent um family that had a lot of land in various places actually uh, including Youngsville, which used to be called Royville. Oh um, yeah, that was and, him. Uh, that was his that family. was his family. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, the story is that Youngs that Youngsville became the name because Royville kept getting confused with Rayville. Up oh, in, uh, you know, Northern that. Yeah, which, which as far as I know is true. Welcome back to Discover Lafayette with Lindsay Smythe, school leader, principal, and founder of Ecole Saint Landry in Sunset. So, Lindsay, um, you're young. You've been teaching a while, but you're still very young. And you're, I tell my family, you're an adventurer to me. I am. At least I try to be. You make things fun. You have a a great deal of energy, but it seems like you're focused on getting this school, Ecole St. Landry, up and going. And I know you've got a good board. I do. You've got volunteers. You've got community support. And it's not been easy. <laughs> right. I will say that I've felt the most support uh, in this last 12 months, you know, almost when you you know it's finally going to happen. Uh, our board has gone through several iterations of, you know, people coming and going. And really in the last, I would say, three years, we finally got a set of people who were all sticking around, who were mm-hmm. all attending meetings. And that, that's a plus. And, yeah. and that really, and of course, you know, Boards are not easy, right? Mm-hmm. It's not easy to be on a board, and it's not easy. Not that I'm the president of the board, but I still essentially am the one. I'm making the agendas, making sure that, and I need people there to vote on things. I need mm-hmm. people, you know, bought in, and um, we're really lucky that we have. I'm really, really proud of our board and where we are right now. When did you start this project? So this, uh, the first exploratory meeting, and I, I need to say something that I'll always say in, in an interview um, is that this idea of this school was not my idea. Okay. Um, this idea came out of, there was a, uh, a jam, like a music jam and mm-hmm. artisans, you know, selling their wares in sunset, uh, at some time in 2016, don't remember when Stephen Artigo, local architect mm-hmm. was there. Um, don't know why he was there. He was there and he met our mayor, um, mayor James of sunset. And they just started talking about the vacant 1926, um, former Sunset High, mm-hmm. which is on the National Registry of Historic Places. It's a beautiful building. It's not no Lafayette Middle, but it is a very beautiful brick building. It looks a lot like a, I often say like a Saved by the Bell kind of two-story brick building mm-hmm. that um, they all kind of looked the same at that time. So Stephen and the mayor got to talking and apparently the conversation went, what should we do with this building? Him being an architect was like, we should put a school there. We should do a French immersion school. So in December of 2016, um, they called together a group of potential people that would want to make this a reality. Stephen and the mayor. Stephen and the mayor. And I was called being a French teacher that mm-hmm. lived in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was there at that meeting. And then it's it's been quite the process. We uh, then, of course, uh, applied as a charter school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can talk about charter schools really quickly because... Um, yeah, that's kind of confusing the way It can that get works. confusing with people. So a charter school in Louisiana, we will say, because other states are different. Mm-hmm. But charter schools are public schools, but charter schools are uh, run by their own independent boards. So I have a board. And then what they do is you have to write a charter, a charter application that basically tells the local district, this is a model of a school I'd like to do. And I'd like you to approve us, and we'd like to be one of your schools. Because you don't, if you don't go through them, you go straight to the that's state. That's right. But that's a tougher. It is road. a tougher route. And yeah. actually, in Louisiana, the rules are you have to go to the local district first. first. You can't even skip. Okay. So because uh, you'd rather have the local support. Absolutely. You know? And we really have had a wonderful relationship mm-hmm. with St. Landry Parish, and they approved us. And uh, we were really excited. This was in 2017. That was quick. Merely months later, uh, we had two people, Michelle Hajbrus, 
Broussard, who runs um, who runs a master's program at UL uh, for French immersion teachers, but she's also on the faculty in um, education at UL. And Nicole Boudreau, who was the former, um, I guess I'll say supervisor of world languages for Lafayette Parish. They kind of got suckered into writing the, <laughs> to writing the the charter. Um, and even though I assisted in some ways, both of them have doctorates in mm-hmm. French education, and they knocked it out the park. These are unpaid volunteers. Yes, wow. isn't this insane? Yeah. Um, not Ni- really. Nicole. Not for love. <laughs> That's know. right, and not for educators, right? Because mm-hmm. you know we're pretty used to to working without compensation. And so um, Nicole had just retired, and Michelle just said, "Yeah, let's do this." So they wrote it. We got approved, and we uh, the negotiation fell through that first year with St. Landry Parish. Um, basically, with, we the school c- with the school board, basically we couldn't agree on how many students that school would, would have. Like how many grades? How many, or actually how or? many um, the total population would be. Okay. They were really worried, as one might imagine if you run a school board, how many students am I taking from mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. general fund to now? Because they get my, funding that's right. per student. Per student. And of yeah. course... Um, funds don't go straight to that child. You know, if you, it only takes four students in Louisiana, um, to uh, pay a teacher salary. So in a, a teacher has 20 kids in her class, only four of them are paying her salary. The rest of it's going to overhead and teacher retirement. And oh my gosh. Uh, so, and that's also how little they pay teachers, but, uh, so only four kiddos. So they're all the rest of that's going, and I'm not saying it's going to a m- overuse of funds or misappropriation. It's just but things are expensive. Too. Thing, yeah. Things are expensive yeah. and healthcare, uh, all retirement, of, retirement, um, crumbling schools. We have mm-hmm. to fix them. You know, Lafayette high, the uh, auditorium is flooded again. Now we got, it's always mm-hmm. something. And um, I, didn't, I never heard it put like that. <laughs> and I know no. that now because sadly, I am a woman of budgets now, and mm-hmm. I never ever knew that until recently. It depends on the parish, but in St. Landry Parish, I think it's $9,800 is how much we get per child in St. Landry Parish to educate them. So if you're only paying a teacher $40,000 a year, well, then yeah. four kids are doing it. Um, so charter schools, uh, Of course, they have their own budget. And so if they would have said, yes, you can have X amount of students, they would be agreeing to let us have all of those. We then really tried to remind them like, hey, you got to remember that part of our our goal is to get some more private school kids. We're going to be bringing kids into the district. Yeah, new population. But it just, we were brand new. They were brand new. So it didn't. And it was probably just hitting them as it unfolded. (laughs) Like, oh, darn it. We voted for this. Right. And so we just kind of like folded. And so we regrouped and we were going to apply as a type two. some board members? Um, That was kind of during that that, that process. We were going to apply as a type two, which of Mm -hmm. course, if they say no, or if if negotiations Mm -hmm. go south, just like they did, then you can apply to the state. And then a type two is your Acadiana Renaissances, your Willows, um, your kind of boards like that where uh, they have, they're sometimes out of state. They're often out of state. Mm-hmm. They have big money and they're able to build, like look at Acadiana Renaissance in Youngsville, this beautiful school. And everybody's like, look at this beautiful school. And I have will- Have you seen those go up? I, I have. <laughs> I, I, I saw the one go up uh, in correct forms. It's like the whole side of the- it goes yeah, up like in 30 it, minutes. Yeah, and you like know? you're like, you went it's to get gas fab. two weeks ago and it's already. <laughs> I sat out there for an hour though. I saw <laughs> half, half the outside go up. You it's, know? it's kind of crazy. It's, and yeah, uh, they've got it going. Right, they do. And But again, they have so many schools around the United oh, States yeah. because these are like. It's charter conglomerates. Mm -hmm. So they can come in and build a school. And then there's people like us that are like, where are we going to put our first school? You know, it's like, oh, what do you do? Do y'all have money? And we're like, no, (laughs) you know, this is a passion project. So, uh, so anyway, um, we ended up going to apply as a type two. And then, uh, just because of the type two requirements, you have to like have everything perfect. And when I say perfect, it has to be perfect. And so we ended up kind of seeing where our gaps were Mm -hmm. going through this potential type two. And we decided to just stop ourselves, fix it all, and then say, you know what? We would like to be part of St. Landry Parish. So then... 2018, we apply again with okay. St. Andrew Parish, and then they say yes this time, and then luckily everything goes mm-hmm. as it's supposed to. But then it still took a couple of years. It did. It, right? it took a while, um, yeah. and you know, and then meanwhile, like you said at the beginning, um, you know, 
though we have a board, I'm essentially the mm-hmm. the project manager. And I was working full-time as a teacher, in which everybody knows teachers don't just work full-time. They work overtime. Right. And then, you know, it was I kind of like between the hours of 10, you know, 8 and 10, I was <laughs> working mm-hmm. on the school. Um, but I'm, I, I think I'm one of those people that just when I have a challenge in front of me, I can't, and a challenge that I care about, mm-hmm. um, I just can't say no, even if maybe I never thought, oh, this is the time that I'm going to get out the classroom. Because I will say, even if you ask me right now, are you ready to stop teaching? Even though I'm no longer teaching, the answer is no. Um, I'm never, I'll never be ready to not be a teacher. But I also understand that my talents can be used in other mm-hmm. places. And I can see a bigger overall goal where maybe I'm not so micro and I'm more macro, but it's just important yeah. for me. And when I see our little ones that are just flourishing. They're precious. I've they're, been stalking <laughs> you on Facebook. All the little, all their faces. little videos. And they're so cute. And, uh, yeah. and, they're, and, and you parents honor them every happy. week, right? Yeah, These little do. kids that are just we honored do. every week. And in fact, we didn't they're do precious. one this week because we've lost one of our little like banners. They have a little banner if they're like the lion of the week. And we can't find one right now. So oh, no. we've asked all the kids. who are like, I don't know where it is. So they're and the lions also. Yeah. So uh, we purposely chose lions. And we purposely chose our colors based off of former sunset set high Mm -hmm. because our plan is to move into that building around year four. And I kind of figured what better way to honor those former alumni who may or may not be potential donors as well to just kind of say like, you know, this is who we are. We want to honor our Mm -hmm. heritage, honor our, our past, you know, to go forward. So, uh, it'll be really, really interesting. So this is your first year. Correct. started in August. We're in month five right now. (laughs) I mean, how do you feel? Uh, most days I feel um, blessed and overwhelmed. Uh, I am the only non-teaching administrator on campus. I do have a, I call her the administrative manager, Sarah Savoy, who yeah, comes from that. the Savoy family. She's awesome. Um, she's amazing. She's also our music teacher, and she's an accordion player. Mm-hmm. She plays the piano. And she's a, a singer. She's a chef. She's a published um, Is that something? Book author. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably ruining all of her credentials right How now. But snack her? I was lucky that COVID hit and she moved home during COVID. Oh. Now, I'm not saying that she wasn't planning on moving home in some ways, but I think it just felt like the right time. Mm-hmm. She uh, she was overseas. She's been in France the last oh. 12 years. She was actually in Russia five years before that. Um, but then during COVID, she and her husband and her two children moved mm-hmm. back to Eunice, and uh, she helps her dad with the with the jam on Saturdays, and you know wow. does stuff like that with them. And she just happened to be looking for something in this area. But crazy enough, we met each other through a mutual friend who basically said, "Hey, I have this friend. I don't know if you know her. Blah blah blah." This was two years ago, and she's thinking of opening a French speaking nursery school or a pre K. Um, but she's still in France. And so we chatted a little bit and it ended up just all working out. The mm-hmm. timing was perfect. I needed somebody that spoke French because we're a French speaking campus. I can't just have anybody on campus. And you can't start talking um, like an English during the day. Well, yes. Yeah, so, so essentially we're not like a, an English school that has like some immersion students. Mm-hmm. We're like Myrtle place, which is in Lafayette. So uh, when you which, hit the campus, you're right you're now. And I'm not saying that we don't, I or Sarah, we will often have to speak to the kids in English to explain like, you can't throw your red crayon because mm-hmm. you wanted a green one i said or, sit down and shut up <laughs> right. uh, you you can't do those things or of course if it's a medical emergency their stomach hurts i'm not just going to mime things mm-hmm. while i'm speaking french so we do administratively speak english but our teachers do not speak english to our children right. um and so we try to to keep that at all times it's you know to that mm-hmm. level but i also knew like if somebody from i don't know a french a french newspaper would call the school speaking French, I wanted the person to answer the phone to be able to continue a French conversation right. and not have to take a message. It just, it keeps kind of our mission, um, mm-hmm. you know, intact. So she's administrator and she teaches some? Yes. Yeah, so she teaches music. She has, mm-hmm. uh, every child gets 30 minutes twice a week of music. It's wonderful. Yeah. And uh, right now they're learning all the Mardi Gras songs and um, we're going to do a little courier or, you know, we probably mm-hmm. aren't going to chase a real chicken. We'll probably do like some type of like, you know, rubber chicken on a string or something. <laughs> just, so just, sweet. but uh, we will do that and then they're also planning Mm -hmm. some other Mardi Gras stuff like we all did growing up like the Mardi Gras um, shoe boxes the floats and all so you've got kindergarten and first grade is that right you don't have have any pre-k at this point no um, pre-k is not funded um, the same way that k-12 is and so in order for us to have a pre-k to be able to 
to have a public pre-K, uh, we would have to kind of have like an amendment to the agreement we already have with St. Landry Parish. And yeah, it's uh, early to be doing that. Right. And it's really honestly tough. You know, you're already yeah. asking somebody to like take a chance on you. Right. To let you have you don't a want to let pub- them down. Yeah. <laughs> so so we'll see about pre-K. We also don't have the space right now because right now we're in a, a former Baptist church. Uh, that's our starter site. This site that we're currently in will be our kindergarten forever. And then mm. when we move to the big school, then we'll add pre-K. Okay. That's at least our plans. But okay. we're adding one grade per year until at least fifth grade. Okay. Our goal is eighth. Our dream is 12th. But mm. uh I think if we could at least get through grade eight and then we could have an agreement with maybe one of the local public schools that agrees to have French three and four, because most schools do not have anything past French two. And what a shame if the last year of our students' French lives are in the eighth grade. Yeah, because just beginning. Yeah, and so now 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th, they don't even have an opportunity mm-hmm. to take another French right. class. So we'll, well see. you've got a few years before then, but I, like I said earlier, <laughs> I know it's, it's going to just fly by. So right now, we're, we're taping this January 31st. You've got one more month till February 28th Correct. for interested St. Landry Parish families. I do want to say Correct. that. Yes. You do have to live in St. Landry Parish, but not necessarily right there in Sunset. Right. You don't have to be zoned for a Sunset school. Uh-huh. So, uh, and you we, have to stay in your parish because of the way the school system right. operates. So our, our agreement with St. Landry Parish is we only use, we only, this service mm-hmm. is for St. Landry Parish students. Um, so uh, what, the, what we're in right now is called the lottery priority. Mm-hmm. Um, so for one more month, it's been open a month for one more month. Um, anyone that applies is going to essentially be put in the lottery. We're looking for 60 kindergarten students for next year. And we're looking for... Is that two classes? It's actually three. Three, okay. And we're looking for about 10 first graders because our kindergartners, mm-hmm. of course, they get they get to stay at their school. So we're just really looking to fill a few spots that we didn't have this year. And that's it. Um, so kindergarten is really what we're looking for. But if we have more um, applicants than we have seats, let's say we have 65 applicants, then we have to have a lottery. Mm-hmm. And those five kids that didn't get a spot, they're prioritized in order, whoever was drawn first yeah. and then first come, first serve. But if we don't, like for right now, I'm not expecting us to have 60 kids in a two-month window. Mm-hmm. We've kind of learned that public school parents don't really start making these decisions till Easter. It's oh, the private school parents that oh, we wanted to ahead. make. We yeah. wanted to make sure that they knew we were out there, which mm-hmm. is why we are open right now. Because this is when they'll be putting their checks right. in for and next so, year. Yeah. Right, and so they've got deposits that they need to pay. Mm-hmm. They need to know, you know, what are my chances? Uh-huh. And um, so, yeah. So because I don't expect to have a lottery. We'll see, but I don't mm-hmm. expect it. Right now, we have 27 applicants and not 67. Yeah, and but so, that's still great. That's still great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not mad about it at all. Um, uh-huh. I mean, in fact, 27 was how many we had in May of last year. So I'm already really excited right. about it. Gosh. Um, and unlike the, the private schools, as we were saying, this is at no charge. Zero dollars. And I understand there's transportation options. That's you, right. And I guess they are actually up at certain spots. Sure, because St. Landry Parish, I don't actually know what order. Um, I know my, my hometown, of uh, my home Cameron Parish, we're one of the largest. We used to be the largest until I think like land loss from the Gulf. Um, but uh, St. Landry's up there. It's a huge parish. Mm-hmm. And so we cannot do door to door. We would never get to school on time, but we um, have a satellite pickup system. So no child has to um, travel further than five miles from their house. And then if they live within one mile of the school, we don't pick them up at all. Mm -hmm. So one of the things, which of course makes me sad, but if you don't have your own reliable transportation or a family member, then that's the only type of child we can't serve. But we really do our best to change the location. If a parent calls and says, like, look, we don't have a way to get there, I'll, you know, we'll work with the bus system. Mm-hmm. By the way, it's St. Landry Parish. And we'll say, is it possible we can move that over, like, three blocks? And so, so far... It's worked out. It's worked out now. Yeah. We're doing what we can. <laughs> a lot of deep breathing and meditating, huh? That's right. And, and like I said, you know, it, it, was, it was a lot for a long time. And then now that I'm kind of, mm-hmm. you know... All of these handbooks are finally made and just all of those documents. Like if you're a parent listening, every single document you've ever signed in your life for your child's education had to be written by somebody. Yeah. I had to do it all. Now I'm not saying there aren't things to look at, but you can't just copy and paste and call it a document. Mm-hmm. And so And it's I'm gotta just, be so thoughtful because people right. it's so easy to misinterpret or for for the writer. Absolutely. Just to totally not think this is not coming off. 
the, the way, way I meant it to. <laughs> yeah. And then now you have this loophole you didn't even know existed. And, uh-huh. and so once I got Sarah on July 1st, my life changed That's great. because it was, mm-hmm. it was a one woman show, but then I got Sarah. And then of course our teachers are here now and, yeah. uh, it's really lovely. Well, let's talk realistic. So, do they have little uniforms? So they do okay. now. Um, they're Same in, colors? Are they in green? So or? they are. We decided that we were only green polos because we just thought they looked nice, and mm-hmm. we have an optional, um, you know, logo. Our, the logo I really, really, really love. Um, so, but essentially, we wanted to be close enough to public schools because. I think anybody can agree that a private school uniform, especially those plaids, I mean, you're asking a parent sometime to spend a couple hundred dollars yeah. just At to outfit time. their child. Yeah. Exactly. And they grow so fast. They do. And so uh, we do have the options, but the only requirement is, you know, we've got uh, the polo with if they want to put the little embroidery on it and then, um, you know, khaki or blue pants. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's very, very cute. And then we have a school t-shirt that they can actually wear any day that has our logo on it. But, um, you know, it was really important for me to people for people to know when my kids left school and they went to the dollar store or whatever with their parents, they'd be like, where's that school? Tell me more about it. So mm-hmm. they're hopefully little walking billboards, and <laughs> oh my gosh. but they're just so cute. I bet. Uh, and I don't have children. I should, I should say that. Well, you have, um, it sounds like you have, what, I have plenty. 50, um, yeah. Yeah, How I've, many are in school? Yeah, we have 55 oh, kids. 55 yeah. kids. Yeah. So, uh, and then I've taught what, well over 2000 students in my life, but um, so this, with with the exception of my niece and nephew, uh, I've really never, I never except one year taught this young age, mm-hmm. and they're just watching them grow and seeing how much change they mm-hmm. they have in them, not just in French, but just socially, you know, they didn't know how to walk in line or they didn't know how to share. And it's just so delightful to watch this. Delightful. And maybe God. if it wasn't my first year, I wouldn't be talking about just seeing this, but, mm-hmm. uh, cause they it, sing in French too. They, yes, everything. Yeah. There, the, it, it is just something else. And mm-hmm. that's something that I would like to do a little bit more is to kind of show their every day. Like we often mm-hmm. show them singing, which is cute, but, um, but on the playground and all, yeah, just, or just seeing them in class, like watching them interact mm-hmm. with their teachers. And, but first grade is kind of where the magic happen kindergarten it's really yeah. like setting down the foundation um, mm-hmm. they're still not really speaking a lot of french they understand a ton but if you would force them to speak in french only they really wouldn't have yeah. a ton to say right. we call this the silent period where you're taking it all it's in percolating. that's right and then one day it just mm-hmm. <laughs> my girls went to the academy on grand Cateau oh. when they were younger and i would cry when they would sing grace there's something about those little, little voices, voices. <laughs> and it's just beautiful yeah. i had a friend the straight other... to god you know that's right i had a friend the other day um i had taken a video of them singing in music and he said uh he's like kids singing will get people every time you need to play that to your donors <laughs> yeah. right. he's like you know he's like kids singing they're always going to do it and yeah. I was like, yeah you're right i need to they're i need angels. to post more of that yeah Gosh. so this will be your your first year we're talking about have things gone as you anticipated um, if i may ask yeah you you may um i would say that the school itself is going about the way that I thought it would, but going into administration for the first time, mm-hmm. you know, I always knew that I, I have the skill set, but like the fires that you put out, I'm sure there's some principal listening being like, what did you think was going to happen? Right. But, um, but the, you don't know the fires that you're putting out all day long, um, where, you know, you think that you're about to finally get something done. And then, you know, three kids have bathroom accidents. You're like, Oh, oh stop, no. stop what you're doing. You know, call or, mom and dad, put it back, <laughs> you or know, COVID. or just, COVID. You know. Oh my gosh. We had same thing. We, we had to shut down for five days because we ran out of substitutes. Um, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. It's just, you just when you think like okay tomorrow's going to be a normal day it just isn't um how many it, teachers do you have we have we have five this year four classroom immersion teachers two first 2k and they and have then, to be french speaking then correct. to substitute that's the uh, uh, kicker huh but and you know beggars can't be choosers we start with french speakers but we ran out of all speakers like we just <laughs> we ran out of we ran out of adults and so uh we just one of our it's not funny, but no, I mean, but it is. Yeah. One of our teachers, um, their spouse is one of our subs. But then when he was positive, the you know the spouse oh can't come and t- teach because he's been a service dog there, you know, <laughs> right. just like bark if something yeah, goes keep wrong. Them, keep the dog by um, the doors. But yeah, so leave. the year has gone well. Like I said, there's a whole lot of new, a whole lot of mm-hmm. things that constantly surprise me. But I, I think it's gone. 
even better than I expected it to because you just don't know. And uh, are so your we'll teachers see. United States citizens no, or do you none have of, some? Uh, well, we actually they have to learn English. So our English teacher is native to. She lives in Sunset. Mm-hmm. Um, Connie. Uh, our other four teachers, three are French, one's uh, Belgian. And uh, the Belgian teacher, she actually, she and her husband are only here for the year. He's at Paul Brew as a immersion teacher. Mm-hmm. And so I'll replace that teacher next year. The other the other three teachers are planning to stay, which is lovely. Their code of fill contracts are three to five years, depending, and then they can one-up it. So we could technically have, mm-hmm. uh, re-up it, not one-up it. Technically, we could have teachers for up to 10 years before they either have to do their green card or they just to go back home. So I guess you're recruiting then for next year. Yeah, so have we'll, we'll have, uh, yeah, we'll have um, a new kindergarten. We'll have three sections of kindergarten. And then I have to replace my first grade teacher. Mm-hmm. And then my second grade teacher, as long as everything goes well, she's in France right now, but she's from St. Landry Parish. And okay. she'll be our first French-speaking St. Landry Parish native. Yeah. Um, and I'm really excited about her because obviously I want all the accents in the world at my school, mm-hmm. including my own, which is, you know, like a little mutt accent from three, you know, three different countries. And then, oh, I don't think that's you know, right. well, and, but it's in, it's a way that I really don't mind, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like my vowels are Canadian, but I roll my, I roll my tongue and not use my throat, like the Acadians and the Canadians, uh, you know, in the Cajuns. So it's like, it's all over the place and I don't mind at all. Sarah very much sounds French cause she was mm-hmm. in France for so long. Right. Um, so my goal is, is to just be, yeah. It, my goal is to have just as many accents as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so elegant. Have you met Sylvie Goudot? I don't know. She Sylvie teaches Goudot. French. She's from uh, France originally. Sure. I met her through the academy, but she went back to school as an adult and as a. Um, she was teaching French. I'm not sure, but, she, but she's authentic. Sure, yeah. And her <laughs> she's voice, got the real one. She's got the real yeah, accent, right. but her voice is just sure elegant and beautiful. And there's just something about the French. Sure, their their way. Yeah, and and it's they're enticing. and they're all very sophisticated. I, you know, very like no makeup hardly, but just beautiful uh, and perfect. Put together, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. It's talent. Yeah. <laughs> it comes with the territory. Yeah. Well, did I read that School Mint has partnered with you to right. help with your registration? So, so I'm not sure if you that. guys have uh, come across School Mint even I with your. Met them yet. Uh, they would probably be I'd a pretty interesting, um, yeah. pretty interesting guest. So School Mint uh, used to be in the Silicon Valley for years and years. And while I was doing Leadership Lafayette, one of my classmates, Will, he kind of just said, hey, I'm really excited. He works for Lita or worked for Lita at the time. And he's like, we got this company called School Mint. And of course, my ears perked up. And he's like, they're moving to Lafayette. They're mm-hmm. leaving California. This is big for us. And so I kind of Googled them and come to find out their kind of bread and butter product is that parents apply for schools with them. So they make a, a platform. Mm-hmm. They put in their, you know, they make a username and address. Oh, nice. They put in their information. They say, I, uh, this is the grade my child's in. This is the grade I want to apply. If you need to do a lottery, oh. they do the lottery for Otherwise, you. Otherwise, you'd be using folders, right? And, paper. and telling you, we did, we did, we did pen and paper last year. Anybody that applied, uh, it was a Google form. I got an email. I then had to copy and paste their email mm-hmm. from the form into another email, hoping that it wouldn't get kicked back because I'm just a stranger emailing a stranger um, because. You know, if the yeah. system doesn't know you were trying to talk together, Google's like, who are you? Right. Why are you trying to? And you can't email too many at once because if you email over 10, then now you're spamming. And mm-hmm. so this year, it's just all That's automated. Um, they also have a platform that allows you to find parents uh, for meet and greet. So basically, if you have a two-year-old, you don't want to apply, but you just kind of want to be yeah. on the interest list. They have a second platform for that. For that. Oh my gosh, and then nice. on top of that, uh, they have a new sector in which they do digital marketing and reputation management basically making sure that like um, how are your reviews looking where are your hits online they do like your SEO and trying mm-hmm. to optimize who you are online and your digital presence like before if you would google French Immersion Sunset it would come up to an a-, a KTC article that was written once about us but our business didn't come up and mm-hmm. so they really worked on that and thanks to the Schumacher Foundation they kind of got us connected and we're doing a three year kind of a pilot program in mm-hmm. which uh, I think I'm allowed to say how much it was, but it was well over $60,000. Oh, wow. That, They're that, so generous. That School Mint and Schumacher, Schumacher kind of got it moving. I was already talking to School Mint, but I wasn't about to be asking them for money. Right. <laughs> and you so just needed they, their help. Yeah, yeah, and so they kind of got it going, and they are like, uh-huh. hey, we have this thing that we might want to... So they mentioned it to us, and we cannot mm-hmm. be... Uh, you know, more grateful awesome. for that connection. Schumacher is so generous. And so it sounds generous. like School Mint has been too. Yeah, so. 
And I do want to say, you haven't really touched on this, but St. Landry Parish, the, the public education system, mm-hmm. I mean, they've, they have had some work to do. There, yes. There's some issues um, mm-hmm. with the kids. I guess that's why there's so many private schools. But you are a godsend to the well, uh, we're trying, yeah, you know, that are um, not able to afford right. to go to a private school. And, you know, and like I'll say, because of the lack of these private school and, you know, everybody can kind of imagine the type of student I'm talking about when I talk about a private school student. When you remove those kids from the equation, it's really easy to have a C district when you're working with generational poverty mm-hmm. or parents that can't afford private schools or they're like, well, I'd love to send my child to private school, but, you know. I don't have that kind of job, even if they're really, really present in their children's lives. So I, I honestly believe the public schools are doing it right. It's mm-hmm. just they just don't have all the tools. They yeah. don't. And when I say tools, they also don't have the tax dollars. They don't have the, you know, I think from what I've heard recently, they're they're like tapped out. They can't raise taxes anymore for education. And so this is this is kind of the best they have. And so I think that was one of the reasons one of the reasons they opted to approve us mm-hmm. is because they knew like this will bring in public school students. And one thing that I have to say as a public school teacher is as ironic as this sounds, I'm typically anti-charter, even though I'm a charter school director. But I do believe that a charter school that can come in and offer a program that the local public school can't offer, I do support that. We're offering French immersion to any child of kindergarten and first grade age, right, in the entire parish. Now, I didn't open a school and say, I'm going to open a public school and do a better job than you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I really honestly, you can see what's happening in New Orleans where the, the school report cards are the same with a charter school or not. Not all of them, but yeah. a lot of them. Yeah, it was supposed and, to be like this. Panacea. Yeah, it was like, oh yeah, uh-huh. like like look at the if you've watched Waiting for Superman, which is I don't know if you have, but it's a I know about it. Uh, yeah. It's a documentary about charter schools in mm-hmm. New York, and um, you know it really comes across as, and in many cases it can be this just amazing private school education for zero dollars. Uh, but if there's not a different type of program. Mm-hmm. then what are you going to expect to happen? And right. so uh, I think that that's, again, why St. Landry said we can't offer mm-hmm. French immersion for every child. They do have a French immersion program, I should add, in St. Landry Parish. Um, but you have to live, from what I've been told, in that school's district. In that district, yeah. yeah. So You know, from my experience, um, and again, it's just my <laughs> my own little, you know, tiny part of the world, but... The amount of energy I put into my kids, like for parent club and sure. involved in every fundraiser and big sale and, you know, all the things we did, we just have a very high percentage in Lafayette Parish mm-hmm. in particular, of, you know, private school kids and families. And if some of that energy was in the public school Absolutely. system, it would, it would be transformational. I, we it, wouldn't be putting up with... Right. <laughs> in the, but we did. We, you know, in Grand Coteau, the building is 200 years old. So sure. we had, it was a money pit. Right. It is a money it's pit. It's a beautiful building, I will add. But, but we were still there sure. helping raise money and right. all. And when you know what's going on, you want to make it better. Right, right. But and it's just a disconnect. And it's, I think it's just our background, the Catholic yeah, it, background. Yeah. People are used to more right. parochial, private Sure, school. yeah. And I mean, and again, like you said, and it's not only just like the Catholic background, but it's mm-hmm. really just, it's, very normal in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I don't know where we are in ranking statewide. You know, I know that Texas has a really good public system, so mm-hmm. I'd be curious to see how their private yeah. school enrollment is. But that's something that I actually don't know. I'd love to find somebody that knows that data. And in West Feliciana, right outside of Baton Rouge, that's been an A district. Hollis oh, yeah. Milton for years was there. Sure. Um, and then Zachary. I mean, look yeah. at Zachary. But it's, but kids are independent in, school. They're district. not in private school right. there. Right. It's, and they all do the leader in me. It's just, yeah. you can right. see the, <laughs> investment sure but they don't have the private schools right and, and it's so an a district everybody participates right. and, and they, everybody's there and mm-hmm. and you're not just uh i'm sure there's more to it but oh absolutely i mean surface even level it looks sure. like it's a different day over you there. just kind of like the day that we chatted um uh for education day the last time i saw you and we were mm-hmm. kind of talking about like even in public school systems that sometimes you have subgroups that one subgroup is a really high performing subgroup you know maybe you're gifted kids all in one school and then if you took the gifted kids out you kind of say like how's this school doing if the mm-hmm. gifted kids weren't there, or if the, I'm using quotes now, the private kids, what if they weren't there? And so mm-hmm. it really makes you kind of take a look at, you know, what can we do? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's just something to be said about 
if we can just convince more parents to be in public schools, just give us a shot. And Mm -hmm. we, and we do this year, I think we have about five kids that were private school students, which I was really proud of. And we're getting, we're getting more. Yeah. Um, so I think the sky's the limit for you. We'll see. So is there anything else, um, that you wanted to mention? I, I don't know that we talked about your mission. I know that you're you want to preserve the cultural sure. roots of the community. Is that kind yeah, of what and, your and really, is? yeah, uh, we're just trying, you know, kind of like you just said in a, in a very easy way, but we want to just always keep at the forefront, you know, who we are as a community, who we are as a culture, uh, linguistically, and also um, if you just think about. Uh, we want to work with like our local partners. We want our kids to 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 be out there. We want the community mm-hmm. partners to come in. And so at the end of the day, we just want our kids to be well-rounded. I don't know if any of my kids will ever travel to a French-speaking country. Like we know that that's not possible for every child and every mm-hmm. socioeconomic background, um, even with fundraisers. But one thing that I know that we can do is ensure that we are educating to the best of our ability. We often say that French immersion is the great equalizer. Um, there's plenty of research that shows that with French immersion, your parents' uh, educational background does not um it doesn't change anything in the data where most studies will say if your parents are college educated, you're going to be better off X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. But with French immersion, because the students are really responsible for their own learning in this French language that most of their parents are not speaking, it's really about us at the school level. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Um, I'm not saying that maybe it won't change a little bit in English language arts, but Um, The research shows that it just doesn't matter. Uh, Students who come from nothing, they perform just as well. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that our our typical higher learners might be um, getting pulled down. Honestly, they are both rising to the top. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially starting to gather so young. Yes, absolutely. And so they're really all in the same playing field. Mm -hmm. It levels the playing field in a way that other places can't do it. You know, we all know how important it is for parents to read to their children growing up trying to get that level of uh, literacy. Um, but in French immersion, nobody was reading to them in French, so everybody's right. equal. They're all equal. And that's really, really great. Well, I'm glad for the children, and I do have one last question. Sure. You know, for those of us that are farther down the path in age, <laughs> is there any hope? I saw that you're, so teaching, classes, so <laughs> you're teaching classes at Moncas Park. Right, so that's one of... Um, even someone like me that's even someone, Even someone like you. Uh, I'm going to... I would love to talk about this another day. Uh, just look look for our posts online. But so I saw I'm, it on Facebook. I'm going to be doing um, some outreach stuff for the school. It's, of course, a way for people to know mm-hmm. who we are, but uh, I miss teaching a ton. And so there's going to be three kind of standalone classes, all levels, obviously, if you already are fluent in French, you're just going to come and have a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, it's just going to be some interactive le- uh, lessons. We're going to be outside. There may not even, I might not even bring a whiteboard. It's just going to be a lot of fun, learning some words, playing some games. If you're, if you understand kind of how improv games work, it's going to be that except in French. And so in a that lot of like ways, fun. it's just going to be a way to like dip your toe into like the French language. And you can see that it, it's not scary. Uh, learning a new language. I didn't learn French till I was 31. Now, maybe someone in their seventies, like, well, have you tried in your seventies? Well, my brain, was donezo in my mid-20s, right? <laughs> Everybody knows that, you know, the, the brain kind of stops doing mm-hmm. its thing it as a child. Itself. So yep. 31, 51, you know, 91, it's all a brain that's afraid. Mm-hmm. And so I'm here to tell you that it, it's totally possible. Now, did I have to move to a foreign country? Yes, um, to, to learn it fluently. Mm-hmm. But there's so many opportunities here. And then the same university where I used to teach in the summer, sadly, I run a school now, I'm not sure when I'll be returning as an instructor. But once you're 60, tuition is 50% off. Wow. Um, and for Louisianians, Louisianians get the Canadian price. Uh, it's five weeks and you get six credits of college tuition, even if you don't want it. Um, and what a beautiful experience. And it's so amazing. Summer. And so uh, I don't know if you put links on yeah, your site and stuff, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you the Thank link you. to that. And uh, it is an amazing summer. program. Oh my gosh. They do uh, one that starts in May and then mm-hmm. one that starts in July and it's five weeks long. You live on campus? You live on campus. You sign a contract, a mm-hmm. French only contract. You have to try uh, hard. That no matter where you are, you will stay in French or you'll stay quiet. There's, mm-hmm. there's places you can go to speak to your family. You can shut your door in your room mm-hmm. and call home and things like that. That would be fun. But, uh, 
they will kick you out if you speak English, mm -hmm. and they do it every year. And well, I do have two lines. Où est la bibliothèque? That's a great line. And Keller et Thiel. Yes. I remember you know that what? from eighth grade. That's right. So you can go to the library and ask the time. Um, but it's... They, Isn't that pathetic? You know, but it's... Um, the, the fact that you even know that much well, after... Eighth grade. It's ridiculous, yeah. though. I mean, well, I should sure. know a lot more. Well, you know, you know what? And I and I should be a marathoner, but you know, <laughs> we I'm not running, so, so if we're not if we're not cultivating it, we're you know, right. It is what it is, but God. it's never too late. And uh, yeah, so if anybody wants to follow our site, anytime there'll be a teaching outreach things like that. And there's also a ton of different places to learn French. Kirby Jambon does some really great things uh, through. Do we call it Gumbo U or the Lanyap yeah. series? He does uh, things like that. There's there's always a way to learn. You mm -hmm. just sometimes need to find the people who can tell right. you. Right. Lindsay Smythe, thank you Thank so you much. so much. It's super fun. I just fun. love your temperament and the, the enthusiasm and, and uh, your dedication. Thank you. It to means making a lot. sure the kids get a good education. So again, to find out more, you can visit EcoleStLandry.org. That's right. Or just, uh, dot, yes, Anything you need to know is there. Just Google us Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in applying. Or if you know, again, any kindergarten or first graders for next school year that live in St. Landry Parish, even if they're private school kids, um, please send their parents uh, the information because, uh, you know what, I think we can really, really change mm -hmm. some things. And, uh, I think but, so, too. But we need some little babies to, to make it work. Right. Well, thank you again for taking time today during a school day. And I want to thank our listeners for your um, your support of the podcast. We've done almost 250 no. interviews now. I know. You can find all of them at discoverlafayette.net. We release a new one each Friday. And I couldn't do this without our sponsor's support. I'd like to thank Oxner for being a longtime sponsor. And our new sponsor, Facet, who offers um, career and executive coaching services. And of course, Raider, and in particular, Jason Sikora, who mixes our tape. Thank you all. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, this is Jan Swift.